Blog Talk Radio. From Washington, D.C., this is Caroline. Each week, we bring you the best conversations, news, interviews, and politics here on Caroline. To hear the show live, check us out each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern or listen on the go by downloading this podcast from iTunes. Hey, welcome to Carol Live. Today is Wednesday, October 8, 2008. And since the last time I've been on, a lot has happened. I've taken a little hiatus, but I'm back, and boy, has the news been jumping. I mean, every single day there's something new happening in regard to the um, campaign and the election uh respectively. And in the last two weeks, we've gone through what may have been a debate. It was it's on, it's off, it's on again, it happened. There was no doubt in my mind that it was going to happen. Um, there was no way for the first debate when uh, uh, Senator McCain indicated that he was suspended sending his campaign in order to come back to Washington. And Obama comes back and says he was going to be in Mississippi. Now, think about this. If Obama was going to be there and the uh, uh, people that were setting up the debate decided they were going to revamp it where they would just have Obama talk, there was no way McCain was going to give Obama that much airtime. Not free airtime, that is. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about the debates. My guest tonight is uh, Scott Lindsay from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, last night where the second uh, debate was hosted uh, in a town hall format. But I think we're going to start actually with the uh, – we're going to start talking about the first debate. And uh, let me see if I can get Mr. Lindsay on. And by the way, while I'm getting him on the air, feel free to give us a call during this particular segment. Uh, the call-in number is 347-945-7415. Again, the number is 347-945-7145. And also, I've opened up the chat room tonight. Uh, for those of you who would like to uh, send some messages, I'll try to... Uh, read as many off as I can, but I have uh, I have a full slate tonight. Um, so I'll try to get to, again, to as many of those I can and give you a shout-out. But thanks again. Mr. Lindsay, are you on the line? I am on the line, Kira. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How Fantastic. are you? Fantastic. Good to be with you. Thank you again for uh, being a guest on the show. I always like your commentary. Um, it's good to be here. Uh, let's go back to let's start with the uh, the first debate. And um, during the first debate, uh, I think I have actually. Let me go. Let me check. I'm, I'm trying to do a whole lot of things at one time here. So let me pull up what I have uh, the highlights I have for the first debate. And uh, one of the things that I, I've, I've entered in as, as one of the highlights, I felt that, and I'm not going to, I guess, go into the first debate as much as I probably will the second one in, in Biden's um, Biden and Palin's debate. But the first debate, I thought the highlight of the night was when Obama said, I have a bracelet too. And I'll play that for you guys. And I'll tell you, I had a town hall meeting in Wolfboro, New Hampshire, and a woman stood up and she said, Senator McCain, I want you to do me the honor of wearing a bracelet with my son's name on it. He was 22 years old and he was killed in combat outside of Baghdad, Matthew Stanley, before 
last year. This was last August a year ago. And I said, I will, I will wear his bracelet with honor. And this was August a year ago. And then she said to Senator McCain, I want you to do everything. Promise me one thing. That you'll do everything in your power to make sure that my son's death was not in vain. That means that that mission succeeds. Just like those young people who re-enlisted in Baghdad. Just like the mother I met at the airport the other day whose son was killed. And they all say to me that we don't want defeat. I know what it's like when an army is defeated. A war that I was in where we had an army that wasn't through any fault of their own, but they were defeated. And I know how hard it is to for that to, for an army and a military to recover from that. So we did, and we will win this one, and we won't come home in defeat and dishonor and probably have to go back if we fail. Uh, Jim, let me just make a point. I've got a bracelet, too, from Sergeant, uh, uh, from the mother of uh, Sergeant Ryan David Jopek, given to me in Green Bay. And she asked me, can you please make sure that another mother's not going through what I'm going through? Uh, no U.S. soldier ever dies in vain because they are carrying out the missions of their commander-in-chief. And we honor uh, all the service uh, that they've provided. And our troops have performed brilliantly. The question is, for the next president, are we making good judgments about how to keep America safe precisely because sending our military into battle uh, is such an enormous step? And the point that I originally made is that we took our eye off Afghanistan. We took our eye off the folks who perpetrated 9-11. They are still sending out videotapes. And Senator McCain, nobody's talking about defeat in Iraq, but you know, I have to say that we are having enormous problems in Afghanistan because of that decision. And it is not true that you have consistently been concerned about what happened in Afghanistan. I mean, at, at one point, while you were focused on Iraq, you said, well, we can muddle through Afghanistan. You don't muddle through the Central Front Ontario, and you don't muddle through going after bin Laden. You don't muddle through stamping out the Taliban. Uh, I think that is something that we have to take seriously, and when I'm president, I will. Scott, I'm not sure if you could make out a line. I can of, hear I know it. You can hear it well? Okay. Yeah. For whatever reason, when um, that stuff plays back to me in my ear, I don't, it sounds distorted, but it plays well on on the show. So I didn't know if you were getting the same distortion. But um, uh, I forgot to, to, at the beginning of the show, before we get into the chat, to um, list the questions that we're going to address tonight, which is, the first is who is winning the debates? Uh, was any of the debates last night or the first debate a deal changer for McCain? Does the Bradley effect still exist, and will the politics of distraction work? And going now, going back to the uh, the um, this particular segment in which. Uh, you know, I've heard some controversy about this segment, especially from the uh, the conservative side, uh, which were kind of offended and, and were saying that Obama was insensitive when he did that. But I think um, that the reason it was done uh, in this particular debate, uh, McCain was playing the – he actually had three cards that he threw on the table during the first debate, the fear card, the experience card, and this card was a sympathy card when he started talking about receiving the bracelet. And I think Obama did that to break the monopoly of uh, McCain's stride, at least the stride that he was trying to obtain. Uh, did you have any uh, opinions about this particular segment, or, or did it not did it offend you, or how, how did you feel when you heard him do this? I think that this that particular segment has basically – set the tone for that that first debate and really kind of set the tone for the second debate. And by that I mean um, debates are all about a, a chance for one-on-one, -on -one, to finally see these, uh, these two uh, candidates one-on-one. -on -one. And I think conventional wisdom was that Barack Obama 
was the underdog going into that first debate because of the there's a term called a stature gap, meaning you have uh, John McCain, war hero, experienced 20-some-odd years in, in the Senate, and he has the, the stature and the what I would call, quote-unquote, the traditional resume of, of a president. Every okay. president we've had, with the exception of Clinton and Bush, has pretty much had a pretty extensive military uh, record uh, or a record of some regard. Barack Obama obviously does not have any of those. So there's a stature gap. And I think when McCain tried to uh, talk about, change the tenor of the debate and put it on a, on a military basis and saying he had this uh, you know, deceased soldier's uh, mother gave him this bracelet and he wanted to get into this honor and valor and, and, and serving your country first kind of thing, which is noble and good, Obama did not sit there silent. He uh-huh. came back and flipped it on him and said, I have a bracelet as well. And it, and it makes me wonder, is he that smart or, or fast on his toes to be able to do that, or did they anticipate, his debate team anticipate McCain doing that? Because that was a very swift uh, response, and I think it was so swift and he was able to flip it and say, well, I have a bracelet as well, named a specific soldier that, that died, and said his mother said, don't let another uh, son die in vain. And then you have the two contrasting arguments on this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, McCain wanted to say, hey, this is a war. We're not going to surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, and Obama's saying, hey, this was a a foreign misadventure to go into a foreign country and attack them uh, unprovoked for a bogus reason. And now we've had soldiers who are doing the right thing by our country, but our country's not doing the right thing by them by having them in this, in this awful war. And I think that moment there has put the entire McCain campaign on uh, defense. I think from that moment there, McCain was on defense and has been on defense ever since. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I like Obama, but I think the reason you were, you were saying in your, your comment about um, was he that smart on his feet, I think he was already actually prepared for McCain to say that because McCain has mentioned that bracelet on more than one occasion. I think he even did it at the uh, Compassion Forum. So I think that this time Obama was like, okay, when that bracelet comes up, I have a response. I, I think he was actually ready for that. I, I think you're it, probably it was, right. It was, matter, it was a matter of McCain queuing it up. <laughs> I mean, I think you're right, uh, 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 Karen. And I think if this were a football game, mm-hmm. uh, this was uh, equivalent of McCain getting ready to go into the end zone for a score and fumbling the ball, turning it over, and he's he's behind and he's been playing defense ever since. Right. Uh. Who do you in, in this? I was just going to be kind of short on the first debate, but who do you think won this debate, and why? I think it was. I think um, Barack Obama won the debate, and I think the reason he he won the debate is because of he eliminated the stature gap. Mm-hmm. I think if you notice the polls before the debate, it was close. It was, you know, within neck and neck of each other. Um, And then after the debate, Obama just began to um, build a lead, which he still enjoys today, uh, of about a a lead on the outskirts of the margin. And I think Obama won the debate because he was able to minimize and eliminate the stature gap. Because you have to keep in mind, I mean, the, the big elephant in the room is race. And... White voters are, are looking at this and they're saying, yeah, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to vote for the black guy or with the unusual name and with this non-traditional resume? Are we really going to do this? In order for us to really do this, I need to see him side by side against the what the conventional wisdom says we're supposed to do. And I think they saw him side by side 
and made their judgment right there. And Obama has had the lead ever since. Mm. I'd have to agree with you. I think he looks uh, very presidential. And I've been trying to, it's funny that you said that too, because I've been trying to myself figure out, is it because also does the economy factor in that? You know, McCain's already indicated early in the game that he doesn't know anything about the, the economy. You know, he shuts down his campaign, suspends it, so he says. And then uh, I think he just made some blunders in his tactics. They were tactics and not strategy. He didn't know what he was going to do next, next. And I think the Obama campaign used the right word when they said erratic uh, in his approach. Would you agree with that, or I would I would say so. I just I would say that um, McCain has has just kind of been on his on his heels, and you know McCain has a history of you know being in campaigns and have unexpected things happen to him and not really recovering well. I don't know if this will happen now. His history goes back to two thousand, uh, where he was going against uh, President Bush, and the, the two of them were. Uh, hot uh, c- uh, combatants in the Republican primary, and McCain had won a few primaries, and it looked like that McCain was gonna was going to defeat Bush and go on to be the Republican nominee. And the big battle came up to uh, the state of South Carolina, the 2000 South Carolina primary, and the Bush campaign pulled out a lot of unexpected um, tactics against McCain. He lost that race and just never recovered again. And, and I think the concern with the McCain campaign is sometimes when unexpected things happen in the middle of a, of a campaign, you have to make, you know, make your adjustments. And I just don't think that, you know, Barack Obama uh, really going toe-to-toe and eliminating the stature gap in the first debate and the collapse of the, the economy happening around the same time, I think it's just put McCain – just kind of back on his heels. I, I would agree, and uh, and with your assessment regarding who won, I think uh, uh, Obama won too. And you know, the other thing about this first debate that stood out, I guess I, I can't leave this without addressing this, is um, McCain's demeanor. You know, the fact that he did not um, even glance at. Um, Obama, I mean, barely looked at that. That was very obvious, and it's in this, the constant he doesn't understand or he doesn't know really comes off condescending. You know, Mm -hmm. I've actually never seen that happen before. I I never will forget watching George W. Bush um, in his debates against both John Kerry and and particularly Al Gore. where George Bush would always say, we have a fundamental disagreement, which, which kind of values your opponent. It says, my opponent and I think differently. Here's why I think, you know, my view is, is better or better serves the country. McCain doesn't even, you know, give credence to anything Obama says and simply is dismissive, you know, yeah. uh, which is really a, a very condescending posture and is not presidential at all. Uh, yeah, I think the reason he did that, he was so pissed off that he was having to do that debate anyway, you know, because prior to that, two days before, three days before, he's indicating that he's suspending his campaign. And then it's like, uh, you know, it's like another analogy, like they're playing a game of chess, and uh, John McCain said check, and Obama said check, mate, because he was there. You know, and then he had, he had he had mud on his face just the fact that you know he'd already you know put himself out there on what he was going to do, how he was going to straighten up the economy for the American people, and the fact that he was standing there doing a debate that he said he wasn't going to do, I think just left a very bad taste in his mouth, and it was so bad and he was so pissed off. Another thing I think too, I think that is uh, two things. You know, he didn't have time to really prepare. Uh, I think one of the reasons he may not look that too, besides the fact that he was pissed off, he it was his way to remain focused. And if, I think if he, he turned, that he would have lost his place 
in where he was in, in regards to his talking point. So I, I don't I, know. It, it, go ahead. I think you're correct, and I'm going to tell you what, what these debates remind me of or what they look like. They're almost beginning to look identical to. These mm-hmm. debates look a lot like the uh, George Herbert Walker Bush and, and Bill Clinton debates where you had such a contrast in ages between the two candidates and one candidate at that time, Bill, Bill Clinton, being very in tune to how to respond, how to keep his cool, how to have a good demeanor for for TV, how to, particularly in the town hall format, how to engage the voters, and President Bush at the time not being able to do that. And I think John McCain's, the only thing I can describe it is contempt for Barack mm-hmm. Obama. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. comes across on the screen, that he has utter contempt. Conversely, Barack Obama's demeanor is pleasant, is calming, and the the word that I hear often describing Barack Obama's demeanor in the first debate and in the uh, second debate, the word cool. He's just very mm-hmm. cool. And, and it's interesting that you say that and, we, and you use the word uh, angry or anger. You know, it's in contrast to what the uh, McCain camp is trying to portray about Obama. Um, Palin has been on the stump uh, basically calling, um, you know, aligning Obama with um, Bill Ayers as a uh, domestic terrorist. Two, they've started using his middle name again. And three, they're trying to throw in the uh, religion factor in regards to resurging Jeremiah Wright. And I think the, the part of going back to the anger part of resurging Jeremiah Wright, it would align uh, Obama with him in a way to call him an angry black man. And who wants an angry black man as president? So I, I just think it's the irony in that that uh, McCain does come off so angry, and it's apparent when that's how they're trying to portray Obama. Well, and they're trying to, um, you know, the the whole deal that they're trying to portray with Obama is he's not like you, saying that to basically, I mean, we'll just cut to the chase, suburban white America. He's not like you. But I think what's coming across um, inadvertently, or maybe even unbeknownst to McCain, is that middle-class suburban white folks are probably saying, no, he's probably more like me than you are, Senator McCain. Um, I can kind of envision Barack Obama's kids and my kids playing soccer together and uh, meeting at Starbucks together and, you know, out uh, mowing our lawns together. I can see that, but I can't see this. Um, you talking about this war and your hero is Teddy Roosevelt and your hero is Reagan, because you keep bringing up people who are deceased, and I can't really get with that. And I, I think that's what's going on. I mean, John McCain, every time he brings up a hero, he brings up somebody who is deceased. Right. And a lot right. of people do not know who – they get Teddy Roosevelt and uh, FDR mixed up. They don't know. So it's, he's not current. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because uh, – didn't uh, I try to remember was it your candidate Hillary that did something like that too? Somebody else did that not long ago in this particular. Um, oh, I can't even remember who it was now or, or who they brought up, but it, yeah, same kind of thing. But going back to uh, something else she said earlier in regard to uh, race, and and I, I want to kind of segue to the polls and. Um, I, I've heard a lot of talk about the Bradley effect, and, you know, the Bradley effect is when um, the polls indicated or they were polling people and they were indicating that they were going to vote for Tom Bradley in L.A. And when the election results came in, the polling did not match what the election results brought. And they're trying to um, – I guess, measure the same thing with Obama. But I I have a contrasting feeling that the 
when the results come in based on the fact that you have so many new registered voters. And I think they're underestimating their registered voters when they think that they're not going to vote. I think this particular election, you're going to see a turnout like we probably never, ever seen before. So I think the based on the number of new uh, registrants for the Democratic Party, that you're going to see a number that's not reflective of what is in the polls, meaning that the number is going to be actually higher because I think that these people are going to actually vote. Oh, no question. As, a, as I said on the last time you and I were together on, on uh, this, uh, this show, um, every poll that you see talks about likely voters, registered voters, but mainly likely voters. Mm-hmm. And so the opposite of likely is unlikely. And those mm-hmm. are the people who are not polled. All of your newly registered voters those are the unlikely voters because the pollsters, because of their apparatus uh, to collect data, uh, categorize them as unlikely. And I think this election is so much about the unlikely voter, people who had no thought of voting four years ago or no thought of voting just a year ago. These people, I believe, are going to show up in absolute droves. And those people are, by and large, uh, Obama voters. I think the other thing is is the um, the people that did not vote in primary. There, there are a lot of African Americans who didn't vote in the um, primaries, and now that Obama is the Democratic nominee, are going to vote. Plus the ones that are newly registered who registered after the primaries just for the fact because Obama is. The nominee. <laughs> so I, I think again, we're going to have a number of people, you know, and I'll use the same word, droves of people who are going to be heading to the polls. And with that said, you know, you know, people probably want to uh, at least try to attempt to do early voting or absentee ballot voting because the lines are going to be crazy. Well, I believe that. I really believe that that the lines are going to be uh, crazy, but I think it's going to be crazy in a good way. Uh, okay. This is where um, you're going to have so many people coming to the polls that you're just not going to know what, you know, literally what to do. And I think the the key is the lessons of Florida, two thousand. Uh, come to bear now to where your local parties, and in particular the Democratic Party, have to understand that they have got to look at key precincts that are high-performing Democratic precincts and make sure that, one, the, the, the voting, um, those voting places are working properly, if they're using paper ballots, that there are enough ballots, and that there are no mischief going on at those voting places where people are turned around. So normally in any, any election, uh, your party officials are going to have what are called poll watchers to monitor poll, particular polls, high-performing polls for their party and high-performing polls, uh, polling places for the opposition to monitor that there's no foolishness going on. So the lessons of Florida can come to bear um, now. Um, and, and be helpful for Barack Obama. Right, right. Let's move on to the uh, VP debate with um, Senator Biden and Governor Palin. What was the highlight of the debate? Well, I think the highlight of the debate, uh, two things. One, uh, let's deal with Sarah Palin. I actually think Sarah Palin did well, and I'm going to end this sentence and and hope your listeners catch on to what I say. Sarah Palin did well for herself, Sarah Palin, meaning she redeemed herself as a reasonably uh, intelligent and thoughtful politician. She did well for herself. Now, did she do well for the McCain-Palin ticket? No. 
she did not because she did not demonstrate, uh, in, in my view and the view of, of many others, uh, that she was a vice presidential material and even more importantly, B, presidential material. But she demonstrated that she's an intelligent, engaging, uh, political um, person but she is not presidential or vice presidential material. Now, if we look at Joe Biden, I think Joe Biden um, demonstrated why he was a good choice and why he was as good a choice as uh, Hillary Clinton. Because if you really look at it, you know, if this is Hillary Clinton and Sarah Palin, I think Hillary Clinton would have probably won that matchup. But then it gets back to this, well, which woman did better? You know, you're distracted by the fact that it's two women that were going at each other, perhaps. Right. What Joe Biden did was Joe Biden has been a leader, and I emphasize this, a leader in the U.S. Senate for many, many years. Uh, political junkies and eggheads like you and I, we're familiar with Joe Biden. The, the public at large is not familiar with Joe Biden, but Joe Biden – was a, a gentleman during that debate. He was extremely knowledgeable, and he did exactly to the letter what the VP candidate is supposed to do in a debate setting, which is, one, advocate for the top of the ticket, which he did marvelously for Barack Obama, and, two, say why the other guy is, is, is not the good choice for this country. And I think he was able to really, really bring that home. Uh, he said that I, I have a clip where he's talking about um, uh, McCain is, is the same as Bush. Look, fast uh, as prologue, Grant. The issue is how different is John McCain's policy going to be than George Bush's? I haven't heard anything yet. I haven't heard how his policies can be different on Iran than George Bush's. I haven't heard how his policies can be different with Israel than George Bush's. I haven't heard how his policy in Afghanistan is going to be different than George Bush's. I haven't heard how his policy in Pakistan is going to be different than George Bush's. It may be, but so far it is the same as George Bush's, and you know where that policy has taken us. We will make significant change. So once again, we're the most respected nation in the world. That's what we're going to do. And I also I wanted to play one other clip before you, you respond. Going back to the, what you were saying about um, Palin doing well for Palin, uh, I, I'm not even going to introduce this clip. I'm just going to let it play and you'll you know what I'm, what I'm going to get at. Almost across the board. That's why we got in so much. Would you like to have an opportunity to answer that before? Well, I'm on the tax thing because I want to correct you on that again. And I want to let you know what I did as a mayor and as a governor. And I may not answer the questions the way that either the moderator or you want to hear, but I'm going to talk straight to the American people and let them know my track record also. Now, you know, Palin had a train wreck of an interview with uh, Katie Couric where she couldn't answer a lot of questions, and in this clip, obviously she didn't have a response or didn't have an answer, and I assume that her, uh, the strategist or, or whoever was, uh, when she was at, what would they call it, debate camp, told mm -hmm. her she couldn't answer a question, then um, go back to your talking points, and the talking points being her experience as a governor and as a mayor, or just reverse it or whatever, use your charm to... Uh, talk to the American people. Do you think that worked for her? No, I really I really don't. Uh, I don't think it worked for her. I just think she has such a low benchmark, and her benchmark was really created. It's, it's her against the image she left with uh, Katie Couric. I mean, those were disaster interview uh, with Katie Couric, but she did better in that debate than she did with Katie Couric, so it makes it look like she did well for herself. She redeemed herself. But it gets back to a very interesting point in politics. Can you imagine if this is Mitt Romney against, uh, you know, um, vice presidential candidate uh, Senator Biden? Can you imagine uh. <laughs> if this is Fred Thompson up there? Can you imagine any of the other folks that the Republican Party had at their disposal um, – 
that now it becomes McCain and a really good teammate against Obama and a good teammate, and that's more of an even fight. I just think a lesson learned from this is don't be political. Simply pick the best person for you. And I think I think that's the big – my personal disappointment with John McCain because I've never really bought in that he really wanted to get Sarah Palin. I really believe that the conservatives in that party who don't like John McCain said, look, you better put a conservative on this ticket or we're not writing any checks because McCain had to go the public financing route. So he's kind of locked in, and you know, not to get really super technical about political finances, that would mean if he, if he doesn't have any money in Ohio, the state of Ohio's Republican Party has to write checks and put it on their dime, not the McCain presidential campaign dime. And I just think he was threatened by those people he knew would, he would have to get to write checks and, and pick somebody he did not want to pick. I, I'm, I'm totally believing in that. It's interesting you, you brought up the public financing. I was going to talk about that tonight, but back um, oh, maybe almost two months ago now, a month and a half ago maybe. No, it's two months because we're now in October. Um, I only saw this once. It was on C-SPAN where the Federal Election Commission had a session where uh, McCain's attorneys were there, and they were trying to get him out of the public finance. C-SPAN probably still has it because I saw it on C-SPAN. So maybe if you go to cspan.org, they probably still have that video posted somewhere. But um, I found it. I thought one. I found it interesting that the Obama campaign didn't jump on it since they uh, uh, McCain called him a flip flopper <laughs> in regards to the same thing. But the, uh, he was having difficulty with it because. Um, the uh, election commission is indicating because you've already accepted some of the money, you can't turn around now and not say you don't want to be a part of the public funding. So I don't know how it ended or what the final decision was on that, but, again, the, the video is on cspan.org. I, I guess if you search for federal uh, election commission, you, it'll probably pop up. I only saw, you know, usually they replay stuff over and over. over. They only played it one time. I think they played it live, and that was it. <laughs> so it didn't get any publicity. I didn't see it on the um, uh, mainstream news or anything, which I, I found really, really interesting that, you know, it didn't get, you know, additional publicity. I thought it was newsworthy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I just uh, think. You know, the, the, back to the you know point with the uh, Biden and uh, Palin debate. You know, I thought Palin saved face for herself personally, um, but I, I think Biden demonstrated that he's you got on the Democratic ticket. You've got two people who could be president in both uh, Obama and, and Biden, and, and I, th- I think that was uh, he was the victor. And and um, I I do too. And I think the the highlight uh, of that night was uh, when he was talking about. You're very kind, suggesting my only Achilles heel is my lack of discipline. Others talk about my excessive passion. I'm not going to change. I have 35 years in public office. People can judge who I am. I haven't changed in that time. And by the way, a record of change. I will place my record and Barack's record against John McCain's or anyone else in terms of fundamental accomplishments. Wrote the crime bill, put 100,000 cops in the street. Wrote the Violence Against Women Act, which John McCain voted against both of them. Uh, was the, the catalyst to change the circumstance in Bosnia led by President Clinton, obviously. Look, I understand what it's like to be a single parent. When my wife and daughter died and my two sons were gravely injured, I understand what it's like as a parent to wonder what it's like if your kid's going to make it. 
I understand what it's like to sit around the kitchen table with a father who says, i got to leave, champ, because uh, there's no jobs here. i got to head down to Wilmington, and when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. I understand what it's like. I'm much better off than almost all Americans now. I get a good salary the United States Senate. I live in a beautiful house. That's my total investment that I have. So I, I am much better off now. But the notion that somehow, because I'm a man, I don't know what it's like to raise two kids alone. I don't know what it's like to have a child you're not sure is going is to make it. I understand. I understand. As well as, with all due respect, the governor or anybody else, what it's like for those people sitting around that kitchen table. And guess what? They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. I think that particular clip sealed it for Biden. I think it did, too, uh, because it it showed um, both Biden and Obama, and in this case, Biden, can relate to everyday life uh, that the American people go through. Everybody in America has a story, has has a hardship, has a triumph. Uh, and, And I think this demonstrates that I think Biden connected and the thing that I have to say about both Biden and Obama, it, it can just be captured in, in, in two words. They're real. You know, mm-hmm. uh, these are authentic people. These are the type of folks that uh, you can easily see them, president, vice president, but you can also see them in your Home Depot. You can see them in the, in the grocery line, uh, you know, getting groceries. They are real people. And they are uh, Main Street. And I think when Biden uses language like, you know, his father telling him, hey, look, champ, I got to, there's no work for me, I got to go to Wilmington, you know, using the vernacular uh, champ. Um, Very authentic words. And, you know, you just kind of felt him right there. And I think folks say, hey, I'm like Biden, and if Biden's down with Obama, I'm down with Obama. I think that came across. Mhm, mhm, mhm. I, I I would agree. Now, we both say are saying that Biden won this particular debate. Moving to between um, this debate and the debate from yesterday, um, uh, McCain pulled out of Michigan, or should we just say he conceded in Michigan? I think that was a concession, you know. Um, <laughs> the for, for McCain now, the electoral map gets narrower. You know, when you look at the, the red state, quote-unquote, red states and, and blue states, what Michigan was was a, a blue state that McCain thought was reachable. Ironically enough, if McCain had to put Mitt Romney on the ticket, whose father was the governor of Michigan, Michigan is in play. Michigan might even be leaning uh, Republican at this point. But because he went with Palin, it's, you know, he sacrifices Michigan. I just, it's a bizarre move that he went with Palin. It's even more bizarre that he did not go with Romney. Part of me thinks McCain's always been known as a hothead. He's showing that in his campaign. And I think McCain just has utter contempt for Romney as well. But if he had Romney on the ticket for many different reasons, this may be a different ballgame. I I would totally agree. I was so shocked that he didn't take Romney. I mean, I was just totally shocked. And and you're right, even with this – the crisis in the economy, you know, Romney, the, the financial business person, again, would it would this race would be a totally different race. It would have a whole different dynamic to it if Romney was on the ticket. But that's the choice he made. But, you know, going back to why he picked uh, Sarah Palin, it's still a mystery to me, especially when you have, if, if he was doing it because of gender, you have many Republican women uh, with more experience than Sarah Palin that he could have picked, like uh, um, what's her name in uh, Texas? Kay Bailey uh, Hutchins. 
Thank you. Yes, her. <laughs> you know, there, there were a lot of other people he could have picked. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And right now, as, as you know, I'm glancing at a, at a document which is uh, on uh, Rasmussen.com, Rasmussen Reports, and looking at their um, state by state balance of power, and it has uh, you know a, a kind of a condensed view of the electoral map. And, and the dynamic that's happening for McCain is not impossible for McCain to win. I mean, this race is far from over, but the right. targets get very narrow for McCain. It comes down to for McCain to, to win this, he's got to win. He's probably narrowed his targets down to, I just got to win all the Bush states. Everything that Bush won, I've got to win those. But when you look at the electoral map, and, and just I'll just go through it in about 10 seconds, he, the red states that Bush won, here the, I'm going to name you these states that are toss-up, that are all red states, and which are Missouri, 11 electoral votes, North Carolina 15, Nevada 5, Ohio 20, and Virginia 13. These are all toss-ups, and these were Bush states. And then here are the ones that, here, that are Bush states that he may lose, that he's trailing badly in these states, or they're leaning to Obama. That's Colorado with 9, Florida with 27, New Mexico with 5, and Iowa with 7. Conversely, there are no blue states that are – in a toss-up category. So that means it looks like Obama's going to win every state that uh, John Kerry and Al Gore uh, won before. You know, so mm -hmm. it just makes the, the targets a lot more narrow uh, for John McCain, and that's why he conceded or pulled out of Michigan, because it just made no sense. And here, here's where we get back into the, the funding issue. And this, I experienced this in 2000 with Al Gore because I was running um, Al Gore's campaign in southeast Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Gore thought, since he was from Tennessee, he would win Tennessee. So he put, and he also accepted the same package of the public financing that uh, McCain did. Gore uh, felt he was going to win Tennessee, didn't put any resource in in Tennessee, started putting money everything, every other place. Then when Bush noticed, hmm, He's not putting any money in his home state, and I'm only down four there. Then Bush put a ton of money because Bush did not accept public financing. Al Gore had no money to put any commercials on in Tennessee. On Halloween Day, uh, former Tennessee Titan football player Eddie George and a, country, and a bunch of country music stars threw a party for the local state Democratic Party to raise $1 million to run commercials in Tennessee. Well, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out if you're doing that on Halloween day and the election is five days away, you're not going to run too many commercials. So it was too late, and that's really how Bush won Tennessee. This is the same problem that John McCain is experiencing now because he's probably got to shell out a lot of money in Ohio and Florida, and he just does not have the money. The state party is going to have to raise the money for those commercials. So he's in a – at a much worse position than is being uh, publicly, publicly portrayed in the media at this point. Now, moving to what wanted to at least talk about before we, we end tonight about last night's debate. And um, you know, the first debate, we noted that uh, McCain was angry. Do you feel that he was still angry last night? Well, I, I think the one thing that we take away from that debate uh, that is all over the blogs, all over the Internet, is when McCain called Obama that one. Hold on. You know? I think I, ha I have that clip. Let me play that one second since you brought it Friends, up. I, I know you grow a little weary of this back and forth. It was an energy bill on the floor of the Senate, loaded down with goodies, billions for the oil companies, and it was sponsored by Bush and Cheney. You know who voted for it? You might never know. That one. You know who voted against it? Me. What was that all about? Yeah, what was that all about? Because, you know, you got to keep in mind, if you were ever to meet a United States congressman, a mayor, uh, a U.S. senator, as a layperson, as a citizen, you're always going to address them by, you know, congressman um, so-and-so, senator so-and-so, mayor so-and-so, good to see you. We as um, – 
citizens are taught to hold our elected officials in, in a certain degree of respect and esteem. Joe Biden, Senator Biden, Governor Palin, when Governor Palin comes across the stage and meets Joe Biden for the first time, what does she say to him? Can I call you by your first name, Joe? Can I call you by your first name? Asking what? Permission, because she understands the decorum of the event. I'm just not going to be calling a senator of the United States um, Joe without getting some sort of permission there. Right. You look at the politeness of Sarah Palin in, in debate, the VP debate, and then the impoliteness and inappropriateness of John McCain referring to a united. I don't have a problem with what he's, you know, I have a problem with what he said, but it's a deeper issue for me. He, because of his personal disdain for Barack Obama, he would not even give him the respect of his title, which is senator. Right, right. You know, so when he says that one, that showed anger, contempt. I, I have had enough of him, and I'm going to say that one. I'm going to reduce him to that. Um, it's gotten so much play on the blogs that if you went to Wikipedia right now and you put in the search box in Wikipedia and you put in the word that one, Barack Obama's face comes up. It, it diverts you to his page. Are you serious? I kid you not. <laughs> if you put in, if you went to Wikipedia now and put in that one, it redirects you to Barack Obama's page. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It you know, got a lot of play. It got, it got a lot of play. And I think that, you know, that could be the nail in the coffin for uh, McCain because even, um, you know, white suburbanites that were on the fence, they saw a side of McCain that says anger. I'm mm -hmm. angry right now, mm -hmm. and I'm going to call him that one. And mm -hmm. most people don't want angry presidents. They don't want angry supervisors, angry pastors, angry football coaches. Uh, I mean, that's why Bobby Knight got ran out of the University of Indiana, because of angry. Uh, we in this country now are so much against angry, we have something called anger management. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's the way McCain came across was angry, not professional, not presidential. Yeah, I, I sent out um segue in a little bit, I sent out an email today regarding um the uh last night's debate on an article that was written by this guy from the Baltimore Sun, David Zerowick, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, D U R A W I K. And he's talking about the um piece where the uh um the African American guy stands up to ask the question about um uh, how Wall Street bailed out the plan. Yeah. Let let me play the clip and then I I'll get well, no, I'll just tell you what, what he was indicating first. His his uh uh what he indicated and I and I read it off it says the attack on Obama was not what mattered, but the rather insult implied in the assumption that the young man had not previously heard of the two agencies most American home buyers have explored or at least encountered, which is um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And worse, while McCain seemed at times as if he would actually climb into the audience to make person-to-person, up-close and personal, P-type, P-style contact with some of his white questioners, he kept his distance from this young black man, and it was noticeable. It might have seemed like a minor matter matter to some white viewers, but I wonder what sense persons of color made of that. I didn't notice that he stood back from the verse the white I mean the black guy versus the rest of the audience. And someone pointed out to me today, and I'm gonna have to go back and watch the the uh, clip again where the African American lady asked a question. And uh, they were noting that he said everybody else's name, but he didn't say her name. So people's antennas were really up last night um, in regard to everything that McCain was doing. And I, I he, just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Now, I, well, I was going to play the clip first, and then I'll let you comment. Clip, yeah. Okay. Um, Now, Senator 
question for you from the hall here, and it comes from Oliver Clark, who's over here in Session F. Oliver? Uh, well, there's, through this economic crisis, most of the people that I know have had a difficult time. Uh, through this bailout package, I was wondering what it is that's going to actually help those people out. Well, thank you, Oliver, and uh, that's an excellent question because, as you just described it, bailout when I believe that it's rescue. Because, because of the greed and excess in Washington and Wall Street, Main Street was paying a very heavy price, and we know that. I left my campaign and suspended it to go back to Washington to make sure that there were additional protections for the taxpayer, a form of good oversight, a form of taxpayers being the first to be paid back when our economy recovers, and it will recover, and a number of other measures. But, you know, one of the real uh, catalysts, really the match that lit this fire, was Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I'll bet you you may never even have heard of them before this crisis. But, you know, they're the ones that, with the encouragement of Senator Obama and his cronies and his friends in Washington, that went out and made all these risky loans, even to people that could never afford to pay back. And, you know, there were some of us that stood up two years ago and said, we've got to enact legislation to fix this. We've got to stop this greed in excess. Meanwhile... That, that was the indeed clip. Uh, you had a comment, Scott? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the way I look at McCain in that instance is it gets back to the perception that he's getting to build for himself. Um, I think folks are looking at not so much as Barack Obama's race. I think they're beginning to look at McCain's age because he's coming off as a condescending, crotchety old man. You know, he keeps referencing uh, dead people. He keeps, refer you know, with, you know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Ronald Reagan, most people who are, are in, yeah, you know, people who are in history books. And then he keeps going back to the Vietnam War. I think everybody understands that he was a POW and, and, and understands and, and, and is appreciative of that of that personal history of him. But a lot of people who will be voting in this election for the first time were born from 1975 on forward. And they were in diapers when McCain was in prison, or they were not even born. So I don't think he understands, you know, the ability or the importance of staying current. And I just don't think he's, he's current. And I think that's, at the end of the day, the people who are uh, undecided and the people who are, quote, unquote, the unlikely voter, um, i.e., your very newest voters, he's not pushing any buttons that would compel or motivate them to vote for him. And I think at the end of the day, that may be his undoing. And you just reminded me um, who I was trying to think of earlier. It was either him or Romney that was comparing Obama at one point in time to um, President Carter. And just as you were saying, most people, the, the current voters, the young voters who just registered, don't have a parameter to measure Jimmy Carter with uh, Obama because they won't hear or, or very young or babies when um, Carter was president. Yeah, they were they were in diapers or not even born, right. and you have to you have to look at things this way. You know, Barack Obama is forty seven years old, so. Um, Young people, they see 47-year-olds all the time. 47-year-olds are their teachers, are their parents, are, you know, guys that they see driving Volvos or, or you know, what have you. A 47-year-old person um, is somebody that they normally interact with. A 72-year-old person, 60-year-old person, even in Hillary Clinton's case, that's not somebody that they interact with on a on a large basis, other than if their grandparents are still alive, right. and they, you know, they, you know, that's, uh, um, you know, grandmama or that's, uh, you know, big mama or whatever. That's nana, you right. know. Right. So, um, 
anytime you start referencing things that go beyond, I would say, 1981 or 82, when you start referencing things before that time, you're losing a big part of the electorate. And I think at the end of the day, that's what's hurting McCain. So who won the debate last night? I think it, it, it has to be Barack Obama because Barack Obama was able to look presidential. He looked presidential. He looked calm. He looked cool. He looked collected. And I think McCain, even though McCain did score some points last night, when he did that, that one thing, which is the one takeaway from the debate, um, you know, it, it just negated any other gains he would have made throughout the debate. So he looked presidential despite the fact that McCain has a new line out uh, as of today. You can see it on YouTube. that says that Obama is not presidential. I so greatly appreciate you being on the show again tonight, Mr. Lindsay, and we have to do it again pretty soon. Uh, thank the listeners for listening to Care Alive. Uh, feel free to, um, um, if you didn't catch all the show, to download this show on, from iTunes or listen to this podcast online at carealive.com. Again, I want to thank you all for listening to Care Alive.